Hi, my name is Roger Goodgroves. I'm an official. I uh, also write for Double Coverage, and I'm one of the moderators on the official NFL UK Facebook group. You're listening to the Full 10 Yards podcast. You're listening to the Full 10 Yards podcast with your host, Timothy Lambert-Monk. Yes, we welcome you in to the first podcast of 2019. Happy New Year to all the listeners out there. This is the Full 10 Yards podcast. Thank you all so much for joining us. I hope you had a safe and a good New Year's. Uh, Lee, we welcome you in as well, my friend. Happy New Year to you. Any New Year's resolutions for you? Uh, yeah, just just to get uh, on the exercise, I think. I think I've had a bit of a lazy year, uh, so as well as watching football, I might need to start playing some as well. Uh, very good, not too bad at all. Um, not, not really too much of a, a New Year's person myself. Uh, I've got a few New Year's ones, similar to you, just want to get a bit stronger, healthier, uh, and all you know the, the cliche stuff, if you like. But for all the listeners out there, I think there, there's a couple of uh, New Year's resolutions they should do. The first one would be to do the Playoff Predictor. That is our January competition. You have until Saturday. Uh, of course, on the podcast, we'll be looking through some of the playoff games as well for you. So maybe give you a bit of a hand, give you a bit, some hints there on maybe what we're going to go for. We'll post out our playoff predictions as well myself and Lee I know Lee sent me his uh, we'll post those out on our Twitter at full 10 yards but that should is certainly one New Year's resolution that you can tick off uh, early on in the year another couple of New Year's resolutions maybe check out your mock draft Lee that you've put up last week yeah definitely um, yeah any feedback I'm looking at the conversation going always about mock drafts obviously 20 teams now looking forward to the spring and that big day mm. um, or a few days as I should say yeah. Um, so yeah yeah, no, uh, have a look at it, check it out, tell me what you feel, rip me to shreds, whatever, just get some conversation going. Yep, the NFL draft this year, of course, is in Nashville, Tennessee. And final New Year's resolution for you listeners out there, get someone else interested into the Full 10 Yards podcast, share it out, retweet, um, and yeah, we'd love to have a, a bigger following. And uh, don't forget that we're going to be doing some reviews of all the teams uh, of the 2018 season. So if you're out there, head over to our Twitter, at Full 10 Yards. Like I say, there's loads of teams still available. Get in touch with us if you want to come on and review your team's season. Plenty of teams available, some good ones, some bad ones, and everyone else in between today's show is going to be a good one before we get into the week 17 recap and the playoff look ahead we're going to just obviously it's black monday black monday is of course the monday on monday after week 17 so lots of head coaches have been fired uh, over 25 percent of the well 25 percent of the teams are now looking for head coach so we're going to let, have a look at some of those see which ones are maybe a bit more enticing than the others and maybe uh Take a look at where, what what the future holds for those teams. Uh, loads of teams in loads of different states there. Some good, some not so good. Also going to be joined up by Roger Goodgroves. He's going to be uh, running the rule over a couple of uh, pl- uh, plays that were in week 17 that I just wanted to, him to clarify. So um, some some rules and you know some obviously uh, play was called dead in the Baltimore Cleveland game. So I'm interested to his thoughts there. And of course the quizzes. Me and Lee, as we have said a couple of weeks ago, we'll go head to head in week 17. So, Lee, looking forward to that one. Yeah, I've had my questions written for a little while past this, mm. so uh, yeah, I've been looking forward to testing you on them. Yeah, absolutely. I think we should uh, have a bit of forfeit as well. We'll, we'll do uh, all our forfeits as well, maybe in the next couple of weeks, to keep yeah. us occupied in the in the off season. We need to. We've got. I've got the wheel already and set up. Uh, maybe we just need to to do those and get those in action. So yeah, the, maybe the loser of the of the uh, the head to heads can can do a forfeit as well. Yeah, sounds good. 
Cool. And then rounding us off, we will be doing, say, the playoff look ahead, looking at all the four matchups this weekend, strewn across Saturday night and Sunday morning and Saturday night as well. And then coming up on the week, podcast later on in the week, we have the full 10 yards awards where we'll be giving away loads of different awards, offensive and defensive rookies of the year, game of the year, and all the like on that. So um, what we'll do is we'll post some of those out on Twitter and get you to do some votes as well to see what you, you guys out there think about uh, those kind of awards. So without further or of do uh, let's uh, head coach carousel lee loads of loads of coaches getting fired on the monday uh, eight coaches in total i'll just run the the, the list down now for the listeners uh, todd bowles new york jets adam gase uh, miami dolphins vance joseph denver dirt cutter tampa bay marvin lewis cincinnati mick, uh, mike mccarthy i've done that adam wolford there mick mccarthy uh, of, <laughs> of green bay steve, <laughs> steve wilkes of arizona and finally uh, not really from from monday but hugh jackson of course the uh, cleveland post there is available for next season so of the eight Lee who, which one do you like because well, quite a lot of these 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 teams are in bad shape yeah some of them are um, we were just talking just before we came on didn't it? it's quite I think it's like a two tier there's four jobs that are pretty attractive and then uh, four jobs that that are not not so much anyway mm. my number one job would be the Browns to be honest with you yeah they've <laughs> uh, got loads, loads of cap space um, obviously they've got Baker Mayfield at quarterback quarter. And some of the young cornerstones as well, like Denzel Ward, Miles um, Scarrett, and you know on, on defense, and then obviously people like Jarvis Landry, so people are good good for the offense and good for the locker room as well. Mm. Um, and yeah, loads of cap room as well to so go out and spend, and a bit of, bit of flexibility. Obviously, yeah. um, you know, a few draft picks coming up as well. So yeah, yeah that'd be my most attractive job straight off that. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I had Cleveland number one. I've, I've ranked the first four and then the other four are just uh, all much of a muchness to me. But yeah, Cleveland, it's all about youth, isn't it? Baker Mayfield's quite clearly an NFL quarterback who's going to be around for, for a decade at least. Uh, obviously, health taken, assumed there. Um, yeah, you've got you've got a lot of young talent. I mean, the amount of first-round picks over the last couple of years they've had is all coming to fruition now. And they just need the right person to, to guide that ship. Uh, Baker Mayfield is is motivated to show Hugh Jackson, uh, it seems, every week, uh, you know, how good he is. But, it, you know, that's a, that's a spirit that's gone through the whole team. Uh, and Cleveland, by far, I think, is the, be- is the best uh, head coaching job available there. Uh, my, my top four, I've gone for Cleveland at one. Uh, Todd Bowles' position, New York Jets, number two, I, I thought was uh, also similar. Similar kind of comments there. Sam Darnold has looked good over the last couple of weeks as well. I think he could surprise a lot of people next year. Uh, my number three was Green Bay, just because you've got Aaron Rodgers uh, and that defence is, is quite young as well. You could do quite a bit with, with that team still, although you have the added pressure of it being Green Bay. Uh, and then finally, my number four was Arizona. Now, I know Josh Rosen hasn't, impre- hasn't impressed much, uh, too much this year, and that offensive line is... is one of the worst in the league. But if you sort that offensive line out a little bit and, uh, you know, there's there's a couple of young people there catching the ball for Arizona. I know Larry Fitzgerald isn't likely to come back next season, I don't think. But strange things have happened, I don't know. But that defence there for Arizona is decent and you've got David Johnson in the backfield. So they were, they were my four really ranked one to four uh, in in terms of head coaching positions that I quite liked. How about yourself? Yeah, I've got the same four, but I'd flip uh, the Packers and the Jets. I have, I have the Packers second just because of Aaron Rodgers. I think I'm putting a bit more emphasis on him than, than you did. Um, and yeah, like you say, they've got a few sort of young players and a few talented players as well, like the, the likes of David Bagtiari, uh, one of the best left tackles in the game. You've got Devontae Adams, you've got Aaron Jones, who looks like he's uh, you know a good enough running back to hold the fort there. Um, so you've got some cornerstones on offense and a young defense as well, which you, you probably need. Maybe someone to take charge of one side of the ball as the head coach and then give them 
a creative, say, offensive coordinator that's sort of key to the calm that in sort of role with Aaron Rodgers. Uh, the Jets obviously a really attractive job as well, just behind that, and they've got they've got loads of cap space, they've got their franchise quarterback hopefully, and another high draft pick, so you've got quite a lot of flexibility there. Mm. Uh, cards, yeah, that's like about four for me as well. Um, you know, you've got one overall pick, I think put a lot of stuff on that. You've got a lot of ways to go. You can either get Nick Bowe, so you trade down for you know a big haul if someone really wants him that badly, and you can use that to rebuild. And yeah. all those teams got quite a bit cap space, the Jets in particular have over 100 million cap space, um, so all those are pretty pretty attractive to me um, especially, like you say, with the Jets and their sort of blank slate that they could have Yeah, yeah, absolutely, and there's a couple of points I just wanted to bring out of here is, yeah, I know I know all the coaches that were fired um, which isn't, isn't surprising, obviously they all didn't make the playoffs um, do, you, do you think any team that are in the playoffs at the moment will fire their head coach at the end of the season? Hmm like, he put me on the spot. Uh, let me think. Well, I couldn't think of one. That was the only reason I put it to you. Uh, no, I don't think so. I think the closest to the bone, I'd say, would be Gary. But he's probably done enough to secure his position by getting through the playoffs. Yeah. And obviously, it's, I would say it's a pretty close game. Obviously, we'll come on to this later. But I think it's pretty close game for the Seahawks. If you can get through that, yeah. then he's definitely going to stick around, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah, he's there for life. Don't worry about that. Uh, okay. Yeah, so any any surprises there for, in terms of firings? I don't, I, I don't think there is really. I, I say eight jobs are gone. Maybe Adam Gase was slightly surprising because he seems to be hanging around there. Um, so that kind of slight, raised a slight eyebrow for me. They seem to like Adam Gase and he seems to stick around. I, I, I would have thought it would have been at least one one of Gase or Tannehill. Um, Tannehill kind of threw him under the bus a little bit towards the end of the season. But Adam Gase, maybe the surprising of the lot, but even, even so, not really that surprising. No, uh, I think... What's come out since uh, the week seventeen, since the weekend, is that him and Stephen Ross have not had that's the Miami owner, if anyone doesn't know, and they've not had the best relationship by the sounds of it over the last few weeks and months. So that's that's what's sort of been the straw to break the back, really. And yeah, I think Tannehill will go as well. I think it's sort of a, a fresh start all round. Maybe the GM as well. Mm. Yeah, and um, just let me ask you. Go on. Oh, sorry, go on. No, no, I just, I, no, go on. Mine, mine's slightly off a tangent. So if you go first. So was mine. <laughs> oh, right, okay. Um, that, mine, mine was just about. Do we? Do we? Now, I've been following the NFL for you know not the greatest amount of time, but do we? Do, do the uh, the teams and the general managers seem to be employing maybe a bit more of a soccer culture now, in, in terms of you know only giving head coaches one or one or two years to to kind of get results? Yeah, you 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 a great length of time, unless you get pretty. You know, unless you've got some pretty extenuating circumstances, pretty much like Kyle Shanahan, let's let's say. You know, he, he with a poor team, he got Jimmy Garoppolo, then Jimmy Garoppolo got injured this year, they've not had a great year again, but he's got a pass. You need something like that, I guess, or yeah. just have instant success, which sort of gives you some sort of money in the bank and some credit to mm. work off, you yeah. know, later in the line if it all falls down. Mm. But yeah, obviously you've seen, you know, Steve Wilkes one year, uh, Todd Bowles three years, Gase three years, yeah, he's pretty short, isn't he? Dirk Cutter as well. Is he three years as well? Yeah, yeah. But yeah, so no, like you see a short, a short shelf life. Yeah, yeah. Just shame it doesn't uh, doesn't account for Jason Carrot as well. But never mind. Um, yeah, what, what was your point yeah. you were going to say? I wanted to say one last question. Obviously, we've we've put in these like two tiers of of uh, vacancies. What do you think is the worst job? The worst. Oof. Um... Oh, that's a good question. I, th- I think it'll probably have to be... I'm going to go Cincinnati. I'm oh, wow, go... okay, really? Okay. Mm. I, don't... I just think, well, Andy Dalton, yeah, I know he got injured this season, but 
I don't. I can't see him staying there for too much longer. And obviously, if you, if you, know, Hugh Jackson's uh, circling around there, so it can't be too too. The future can't be too bright for Cincinnati fans. But the, you know that defense wasn't that wasn't that great. You know, there quite a lot of people ran on and passed on them. I know they've got Joe Mixon there in the backfield, who's who's one of the most talented uh, running backs that I've seen in, in my short uh, NFL viewing career, if you, if you like. But uh, yeah, I just it's, it's going to be a tough a, 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 a AFC North. You've got Baltimore, obviously. You've got now Lamar Jackson. You've got Pittsburgh, who always there, uh, and, and Cleveland on the up as well. So in terms of you know getting to postseasons and getting playoff wins, I think Cincinnati may struggle the most. Yeah, that's a fair, fair comment, actually. Um, it, it struck me as a bit surprising, actually, but the way you sort of put your case forward, uh, yeah, I would... Not not a bad shout. I would say the Dolphins, though, personally. Mm. Um, you know, like we were saying, they've now got no head coach, no quarterback. Maybe a head coach is going to come in and uh, work really well with a new general manager. And hopefully you both think about the game in the same way mm. and build want to build the team in the same way. It's, it's pretty difficult. And then it's not the most talented roster in the world anyway. No, no. Um, and then you've only got just under 19 million of cash next year. So you've not got a lot of flexibility there either. No. Um, you're probably a bit too uh, high in the draft to get a quarterback in this bad draft class as well. And mm. um, so, you know, you're looking, you're looking to sort of piece things together, paper over the cracks for you, and you can actually get your hopeful franchise signal caller. Yeah, I mean, the, the thing that swung it for me in terms of Cincinnati again was division. Uh, Miami, uh, they are in a weak division. They can, you know, they can get to postseasons. Uh, New England are going to come come down at some point, so it might be a quite attractive position for someone that kind of wants to try and be a legend in terms of you know they were the best team after the Patriots, if you like, and um, it might be just a slight easier path to success there. But yeah, like I say, they they have a pretty much a talentless roster there, don't they? Yeah, it's not the best. It's, it's uh, got a few decent uh, you know decent players here and there, but there's no sort of one unit or one side of the ball that you can really hang your hat on if you're their head coach at the moment. So, yeah, I think it's, mm. it needs, a, it needs a, good, a good draft or a good head, head coach sorry, yeah. to come in there and, and sort of bring everyone along. It's a bit of a, a bad culture there for a little while. Mm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Adam Gay seems to take that with him, doesn't he? Yes, yeah, so he's uh, tried to clear it out, didn't he? And then it still remained there. So, you know, the lowest common is him. Yeah. Okay, just before we move on, just uh, wanted to mention as well, Steve Sarkeesian, the uh, offensive court, uh, sorry, the assistant there to, um, is it Dan Quinn, isn't it? I can't remember his name. Um, Atlanta, he's he's, yeah. also, he's also gone as well. So uh, the reason why that's relevant is uh, Matt Ryan, last the previous two assistants and, and offensive coordinators that have, have come in, he's always struggled in his first year. So anyone that's banking on maybe Matt Ryan in Dynasty or or fantasy, fantasy games, uh, next season, just be just beware that Matt Ryan sometimes doesn't always perform a first year under a, under a new scheme, if you like. So, um, I just wanted to bring that up as well. Yeah, no, fair point. Yeah, it's, um, it's not helpful to keep changing these systems. No. Um, you know, you have to put Shanahan to Sarkeesian, they never really got along uh, in terms of how it produced on the field, and then they have to change again. So, yeah, it's difficult. Yeah. It's going to be Okay, let's look. Uh, let's look back then to the final week of the regular season of the NFL. Uh, I will start on the NFC side. Lee, we obviously broke these up: AFC and NFC. So Minnesota at Chicago. Minnesota couldn't really get a stop in this one when they needed to. Uh, Chicago just played their starters. That defense uh, was 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 as good as it's been all season. Um, yeah, they, they got they got within one to of, of Chicago in, in the second half, but like I say, couldn't really get that score. 
Um, one thing I, I wasn't too sure about in, in this one, Chicago were 19-10 up in this game. I'm not quite sure why they then went for two um, to make it an 11-point game. That kind of struck me um, as, as a bit weird. But I just wanted to show, to show obviously, Adam Thielen uh, has been a, has cast a figure of, of frustration over the last couple of weeks. Uh, his last eight games has only had 448 yards, which is averages to 56 per game and just the three touchdowns, whereas in his first eight games, obviously, set records uh, with these 100-yard games, had 925 yards all told, which averages 115 per game and six touchdowns. So contrasting uh, you know, halves of seasons there for Adam Thielen, uh, but Chicago... The best regular season defense versus the pass uh, as well. Come come to play in Minnesota, uh, the offensive line there didn't really have any any answer for that defensive pass rush. Kirk Cousins, you know, having to get rid of the ball very very quickly. Yeah, and I think that's what um, Thielen and Cousins were all discussing, wasn't it? If anyone's not seen that, they had a ball on the sideline um, at one point. Yeah, late in the game, I think it was, and yeah. I think Thielen's point was that he's hanging on to the. Ball for far too long. Cousins was saying, "Well, the offensive line isn't giving me enough time." No. Um. So yeah. Uh, sorry, not releasing what quick enough. I'd say, and then he didn't have enough time. Um. But yeah, uh, didn't get, didn't really get going. Bit of a damp squib, obviously, when Minnesota had the sort of winning in uh, carrot in front of them, and then you know they came up. And it was a bit of a damp squib, really. They didn't really put too much of a resistance to the Bears. Mm. Yeah, I thought I thought quite a few of these games actually un- underwhelmed a little bit in terms of you know it wasn't really much in the way of of excitement when Stefan Diggs scored that touchdown and you know you think Minnesota were going to come back with a with a late rally. Um, I'm surprised Chicago didn't pull most, more of their starters out actually, uh, considering how how much how much the uh, the Rams were winning by. Um, but yeah, Minnesota at home, uh, Kirk Cousins uh, not showing why he was paid eighty four million uh, guaranteed for that contract. No, not oh, uh, seems like. It doesn't it? I think we discussed that previous, haven't we? Yeah. Has it been worth it? It's not not been worth it at all as of yet. Um, and end up with an eight, seven, and one record. And um, you know, when the divisions left to take you, and the, the sorry, the back the Packers weren't weren't great at that point in this season. No. And you know, you think you know, can they then press on? And that's, you know, pre-season they were heavily favoured. And uh, yeah, the Bears have just come up from behind and. Just, uh, yeah, blown everyone away, really, haven't they? And had a great season. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. And, of course, that Chicago win meant that Philadelphia had the opportunity to take the sixth seed, and they made uh, quite easy workings there of Washington. Although it wasn't, uh, it was quite quite low scoring until the half. The Alshon Jeffrey touchdown just before half time was pretty much the turning point. Uh, great catch there in, in the end zone, going to the ground. Great coverage by Josh Norman, but... Uh, Alshon Jeffrey coming up big there for Nick Foles, who opened up with a horrible interception, actually, uh, and then also came out of the game with a chest injury, but should be okay to go for wildcard weekend. Uh, Aguilar touchdowns. Um, his first multi-touchdown uh, game of the year, actually, of, of, of career, which actually was quite surprising for me. Um, but one of his catches for the touchdown wouldn't have been a catch last year, so just shows you that um, you know, the, the catch rule is probably more beneficial for the, for the offensive and uh, the offensive uh, Playmakers and the wide receivers there, but Aguilar, a couple of touchdowns there for him. Philadelphia easing uh, to a victory in this one, uh, and now of course taking the sixth seed. Lee, do you want to take take care of the AFC side? Yes, Titans. Uh, just for a good answer, just one thing, just for you, just one one thing. Do you feel like, or is it just me that there's been less did he or didn't he catch it controversy this year? 
Yeah, I feel like there's been way less. Yeah, there has. Yeah, has. And I think it was say hey, we've we've spoken with uh, with Roger. Well. Yeah, Roger. Roger obviously simplified uh, when he came on the podcast a week or two ago, uh, and we talk about uh, one one catch, the Cole Beasley catch from uh, from the Giants game uh, on mm. Sunday as well. Mm. Um, but yeah, it's a lot more simplified, which obviously makes it a lot more easier to translate and and apply if if you like. Um, yeah, but there's been a lot more catches this year that wouldn't have been called a, a catch that have been. So yeah, I think it's been more inclusive now. Whether or not that makes it a bit more a bit unfair to, to the wide receiver in terms of you know what they're allowed to do and what they can essentially get away with, what might be a, a catch or not a catch. Um, but yeah, it's, it's made the game a lot more smooth uh, to, yeah. to watch and easy on the eye, and essentially that's what we want as a, as a fan. Yeah, yeah. It's always going to be favouring into the offence at the moment. That's the way they're, they're trending, where they want the rules to go. Uh, but I just think it has cleared cleared up quite a bit. There's been like, like I said, I've not really thought about it consciously, but just thinking back now that the season's finished, there's not really been that many. No. That, I think, but yeah, that's, that's, that's all. That's good. I guess it's just uh, it's the way it's going to go. Is it's going to be more points that people want to see? Yeah. Like we had against you know the Rams and the the uh, Chiefs earlier in the season, yeah. I made about five million points, and that's <laughs> what most people want to see. <laughs> um, so yeah, just move move on to the AFC as I said. So uh, Colts at Titans. Uh, Andrew Luck remains undefeated against the Titans, perfect eleven from eleven record. Which I think is the most uh, quarterbacks had over one opponent since the seventies. Mm. Uh, um, yeah, so com- I think it was pretty comfortable beforehand, and uh, it was about, about as comfortable as I suspected it. In the sense that Indy got ahead and they were able to stay ahead, drain the clock with Marlon Mack, who racked up yards and and looked to do the air as well. Um, so since losing, six is it to the Jags two weeks ago in that really weird game. Um, the Colts have got under the pair and they've won out to secure the sixth seed, which, you know, at five, what was it, they won on five early on the season. Yeah. Wouldn't have thought that would be. Yeah. Um, and now they've got a divisional game. Texans, which will kick off the postseason on Saturday evening, so everyone's looking forward to that. I think that'll be really tasty game, actually. We'll probably touch on that a little bit more, but the series is um, one-all between those two, and both those games have been settled by three points, so yeah, it's going to be a close one, I think. Did you see any of that at all? Yeah, I, I watched bits of it. Um, yeah, I mean, when once... Well, uh... Just a shame, really. Marcus Mariota wasn't playing, and yeah, they can kind of have the excuse of playing Gabbert. But then I was thinking to myself, you know, Marcus Mariota in there would it would he have actually helped? Um, but it wasn't the greatest of games, was it? Really, to be honest. No, no, it wasn't. And yeah, I thought the same. I thought if Mariota played, then maybe he would have made a bit of difference. You'd obviously like the the sort of number ones out there yeah. as much as possible, and the best players out there, especially with the game line. Uh, you know, to the extent that it was, it was literally winner takes all, wasn't it? So you'd want you your best players out there, but yeah, it wasn't to be. And to be fair, I think we've probably got the better team in the playoffs. Yeah, yeah. I would say. Other the Titans have been, you know, bad team. I've obviously started the season. I was uh, on the hype chain for them big time, mm. um, and they've not been not been quite all that that I expected. But obviously, they're still a good team. But uh, I think we've got the more the best team and the more entertaining team. I would say in the playoffs. Yeah, and obviously just a reminder that the AFC South's two playoff teams, Houston started 0-3 and Indianapolis 1-5. And and yeah, before the season started, and even a couple of games in, you'd have thought it would be Jacksonville that would uh, be getting into the playoffs, uh, and obviously Tennessee there as well. But yeah, especially after a couple of games in, you wouldn't have said that AFC South would have had two teams, let alone uh, uh, a winning record with one. Yeah, yeah no, it's been a bit of a weird division, hasn't it, this year? Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's looking like a good division for you know the next... Couple of years at least, a few good teams down there. 
and obviously the Jaguars have still got that on as well. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Uh, is there any other any other any other thing you liked over the weekend? Yeah. So I've just got to go through the the Browns. Oh, of course. Yes. As big, well. Yeah. Big game. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I don't want to gloss over that one. No, so obviously it came down to the last series. But yeah. the, the Ravens D held on uh, to break uh, Steelers' hearts as well as Browns' hearts at the end of the game, and the Ravens now the new king of the North. Mm. Uh, it's a new North Baltimore. They racked up yards on the ground with Lamar Jackson, Gus Edwards, and also Kenneth Dixon who joined the party this week. All three of those guys got a gain at least seventy-five yards. Uh, Lamar with ninety, and uh, Kenneth Dixon with one hundred and thirteen. Uh, so it's quite. Some feet really to get three guys of, of such totals at the end of the game. Uh, that's just, just how it is. Like I say, it's a new norm. Uh, they got ahead and that's how they like it. And they can bleed that clock and just run it out. And that's, that's how they're built, isn't it? Um, but for a second, it was like, you know, in the second half, Cleveland made some adjustments and it got a bit close, didn't it? And that's why I obviously uh, series of the game. And then had the controversy that I'm sure we'll hear about with uh, Roger later uh, with the 99 yard fumble. Return which mm. was whistled far early. Yeah, yeah, we break that. We break that one down. It's uh, it's quite an interesting one, isn't it? Um, I know it's, it's very close, um, but yeah, we, we we speak about that with Roger in a little bit. But yeah, it, it was quite exciting. I suppose um, this part was the most exciting part of the weekend, wasn't it? The uh, the two minute drill from Baker Mayfield down to uh, in Baltimore. Um, you know that first drive or one of the early drives from from Cleveland. I think it was the opening one where he was just uh, playing playing great some great football, and he was. Wanted to play the part of party people, didn't he? Yeah. Oh, definitely. absolutely, definitely. You know, he's just him all over, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. There was that. There was that catch. I mean, it was reviewed for ages. The catch that Landry just about brought in. Yeah. And sort of barrel rolled. I thought when he brought that in, I thought, yeah, they're going to go down and score and get get uh, the Steelers in. Yeah, Jarvis Landry made some beautiful catches in in that game as well. Um, yeah, it was a really it was a really good game actually. It was really good. To Tony Romo and uh, Jim Nance on that one. Yeah, no, brilliant, brilliant uh, duo commentating. Uh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, uh, Baker Mayfield. Just uh, as, as on the stat side of things, uh, Baker Mayfield twenty-seven pass touchdowns is the most by a rookie, overtaking Peyton Manning and Russell Wilson there, both with twenty-six. So a bit of history there for Baker Mayfield in his first season. Um, do, who, do, who do you reckon gets the uh, offensive uh, rookie of the year award, Baker or Saquon? Well, I think we'll obviously touch on this later in the week, won't we? Um, I, I, if it was my choice, I, I would give it to Baker. I'm kind of giving away my, my award there early, but I don't think he'll win it. I think Saquon will win it. Mm. Yeah, be interesting to see. Obviously, they've both done really well in their rookie seasons, broken broken records all over the place. So, yeah, but just be, it's, it's, a, it's a tight one, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It depends sort of like what you look for, I guess. And obviously, I'll break down uh, you know, my reasoning on that on Friday. Excuse me. Sneeze. Um, yeah. Um, yeah, I so say we'll go through all of our ones later in the season. But obviously, when we were coming into the season, we were looking at, you know, kind of the betting and we were saying that the quarterbacks, you know, made... Um, obviously, none of them were guaranteed to start, were they? So the, the quarterbacks were bigger prices. Um, so yeah, it's just, just been interesting to see how that, that's obviously played out. Uh, Saquon was obviously a big, big favourite, so... Yeah. Okay, so we shall see. So yeah, the the the, the kind of the, the the playoff seedings then all kind of wrapped up. Any any other games that you liked over the weekend, Lee, that you looked at and wanted to mention? No, not 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 particularly. I mean, those they were the ones that we pinpointed beforehand. And um, yeah, and it's all January in the next few weeks. Yeah, 
Yeah, I just wanted to uh, just mention the uh, in the Dallas game. Of course, wouldn't be a, a podcast without me talking about Dallas. Um, <laughs> I don't. I know we're not doing Jason Garrett corner this this week, but what what is Jason Garrett doing, uh, keeping Dak in for the whole game? Yeah, kind of kind of a strange one, wasn't it? Could have could have gone horribly wrong. Um, and he, I mean, yeah, it was kind of a decision. I thought to um, to do that. Uh, but yeah, he, he kind of got away with it, didn't he? Mm. Uh, quite a few weird ones on that sort of score throughout. I mean, the Chargers uh, started stayed in for three quarters. Mm. Uh, you know, one they would have got in half time, they would have known that the Chiefs were well up, and you know, there's nothing to play for. Mm. And we lost just round, so you know, we're going to have to face the Ravens and then that, that, one of our starting linebackers, which obviously you know. Doesn't look great, does it? So yeah, no. uh, it works sometimes. It doesn't others. Mm. Dak Prescott with the, uh, I think he had the most passing yards for Week 17 as well. So it just shows you how wacky and weird uh, Week 17 is, and why you shouldn't play fantasy football championships in Week 17. A couple of other oh. things in the Dallas game as well. Um, most receptions by a, a rookie running back. Um, yeah, obviously Saquon Barkley's taken that one. Uh, he's had a stellar season, like I said a minute ago. Cody Latimer as well, if you want to see some highlight reel catches. You can tell Odell Beckham's on that team because Cody Latimer came up with some beautiful one-hand catches there on the sideline. They were very good to watch. Go back and watch. Uh, Blake Jarwin, I'm not quite sure where his three touchdowns come on. But uh, on his third one, watch one of the defenders. I think it's number 35, Riley. Um, he absolutely makes no attempt whatsoever to to get near him or, or push him over or anything like that. So that was, I thought that was quite funny. Um, but yeah, there we go. Not quite sure why Dak was in the game, so we'll shall we shall move on. Uh, I think there's a couple of other things I just wanted to mention. Ian Thomas, uh, from a dynasty perspective, he looked pretty good uh, in Carolina versus New Orleans. Um, so maybe try and buy low on him in dynasty. I'm not sure what, what Greg Olson is doing uh, next season. But Teddy Bridgewater, obviously, Lee, we we talked about going into the game. It was a showcase game for for Teddy Bridgewater. Didn't really see too many highlights from him. It's pretty much all Kyle Allen. Um, on, the, on the other side of the ball which was a bit weird uh, but Teddy Bridgewater not really doing too much No he didn't he's a big audition did he um, but I guess you know it's just one of those things isn't it the, the, the game just got away from them in the end and it was just one of those things where it was just really difficult for him to showcase in that scenario I think yeah, it was a strange one. Be interested to see what happens to Teddy B in the off season. We will keep you all up to date with that. Um, so, seeing as though we have done all of that, that's week seventeen. Uh, I suppose we shall go and talk to Roger. Um, we got we got some some calls and some decisions over the weekend that I just wanted to break him down. Luckily, we have the man for the job. That man, of course, is Roger Goodgroves, our official aficionado. Roger, we welcome you in. Happy New Year to you. Any New Year's resolutions for you? Uh, ooh, New Year's resolutions. Try not to break all the ones that you've had from previous years, I think, is the uh, <laughs> best one. Okie dokie. And, of course, we, uh, we will be putting your knowledge to the test in our NFL quiz a bit later on. But before we do that, like I said, we looked at a couple of Week 17 games that I was watching and just had a few questions that I wanted to just run run past you. A couple that are a bit more uh, black and white against the rule book, but one that's obviously a bit more subjective as well. So we'll start off uh, with Dallas at the New York Giants. Uh, Cole Beasley's uh, touchdown catch. Now, I know the catch rule has had its ups and downs over the years uh, this year. <laughs> yes. This year they've made it a bit more, more simplified uh, for, so for everyone to, to kind of follow. But uh, yeah, Cole Beasley obviously had the, the catch, uh, but both feet were obviously not down in this one. It was, it was a case of the knee. Yeah. So just just go through uh, for the listeners out yeah, there sure. just to clear so, up uh, about the knee. You need a few things to actually uh, be in place. You need, first of all, before you can do anything, you need control of the ball. Once you've got control of the ball in the NFL, 
generally need to feet down. However, as the old Madden rule, um, one knee is equal to two feet or one other body part. To be uh, technical, um, an ankle and a wrist don't don't count as being down. Um, so you sometimes see runners um, who put a foot, a hand down, or roll onto a, a wrist, and they get up and keep running. Um, so that's okay. Yep. Um, but if uh, shins down, or a knees down, or a thigh, or whatever else, stomach in my probably, then um, it would uh, it would be down. And in terms of catch, uh, so once you've got control, one um, body part equals two feet. And in the case of a brilliant catch by that was a knee instantly touched before he uh, then went out of bounds. Yeah. Uh, I can see why on the f- not called, but equally uh, a great uh, overturn in uh, in replay. Mm. Yeah, that also begs the question. I'm, I'm not quite sure how you get your your ankle down and then not your shin, but uh, yeah, that, that'd be quite hard <laughs> to do, wouldn't it? Unless you've broken your ankle, maybe. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, well, exactly. You're rolling your ankle, I guess. But uh, yeah, so your ankle doesn't count as as uh, or does count as a foot, mm. um, but. Um, it was more a case of your wrist is the one that um, a runner puts their wrist hand down doesn't yeah. count as being down. Yeah. It's more the one. No, we see. Well, yeah, there's quite a lot of those where running backs have been hit and uh, try and stay on their feet, and they put their hand down to you know, also for making leaps for the for the goal line as well. Uh, it's quite a common yeah. one, isn't it? Okay, moving on to one that's a slightly bit more. Uh, you don't really see it too often, uh, but the fair catch uh, on in the Jacksonville Houston game. Uh, I think it was uh, Carter who was the receiver for uh, Houston. Yeah. Uh, the Jacksonville guy absolutely walloped him, um, and yeah, it just seemed to be obviously when when you, you signal yeah. for a fair catch and someone interferes with you, it's, it's a penalty on on the uh, the kicking team. Uh, yes. This one obviously normally, is a bit different. Normally, fifteen yard penalty tagged on from the spot of the. However, there are a couple of um, things to break down on this. It's actually a very good um, educational play. So the first thing is that not only if you signal for a fair catch, if you are actually catching the kick, you have protection um, during that kick process. If you've called for a fair catch, you actually have a little bit more extended protection. Uh, even if you briefly muffle into the air, you've still got protection until you actually try and establish um recovery so in this example it looked first view that um, the jacksonville player took out the person who was signaling for the fair catch flag was thrown on it by the back judge all normally looking okay this is going to be 15 hours take on to the end player got wiped out however some important parts um that go into whether or not a foul is a foul this is where we get into the intricate details of the rule book which uh um, the aficionados know, but not everybody necessarily does. Mm. And one of these is that if you're actually blocked into, then it isn't a foul on you. You are being, your path is being interfered with, and therefore it's not called as a foul. It needs to be intent um, to actually create it. So if you're actually blocked, and the same would apply, sometimes you see, um, uh, in the case of a punt return, often there will be a blocker in front of the person who's going to catch. Yeah. And you'll sometimes see the kicking team try and push the player back into the ball because the ball until it's actually touched on the punt can just be left by the, the, the receiving team and they take over the ball at that point. Yeah. However, if they touch the ball, it becomes a live ball. And so sometimes you'll see, mistakenly, the um, kicking team actually and push one of the defenders mm. into the ball. Yep. Think if he touches the ball, that it'll become a live ball. But that would also be disregarded. So going back to this play, what happened was that the um, the runner 
uh, comes downfield and is contacted, and we'll talk about that in a second, um, by one of the um, defending players and actually causes the player to go into the snood called for the fair catch. Um, so a couple of things on, on that. The first one is that I believe that that push that caused the contact was actually a block and should have been flagged. But what happened next was that the other deep uh, official who was watching um, the um, people running downfield actually came and talked to the back judge and talked him off the foul that he was actually throwing um, and said, no, it was because he was pushed was the reason that he actually contacted him. So then we had the situation that says, well, what happens next? And I think this one actually... Um, um, ignoring the, the flag that was missed potentially, is who touches it next? So going back to what we were saying, if nobody touches the ball, it belongs to the receiving team at the, the, the dead ball spot. If the kicking team touched the ball, then that's what's called first touching and is a violation. And the uh, receiving team have the option of taking the ball at one of the first touching spots. Could be multiple. And uh, you can sometimes see um, the referees throw blue bags down on the field. They're marking certain spots either for the end of a run um, or in some cases so the, the spot of touching so that then they can assess and go, right, OK, there are three spots of touching by the kicking team. The most advantageous for receiving team is this one. They'll take the ball at that spot or that would be the spot at which we tack on a penalty if there's another penalty to add to it. Um, so you have... Um, the question mark about who's next touching and this one went to replay again and is very close it looked like it came off the helmet of the um, person who was pushed to the fair catch caller however just on replay it fractionally got at the defender first because of that and because it wasn't a foul because obviously he got mm. into them, that's a live ball and the live ball was recovered by jacksonville and that's what went to replay, and that's what came back. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, it's an interesting play to discuss because there's multiple instances where rule variations come into play. It wasn't as straightforward, but should have been a, a flag on it at the end, and uh, uh, in my view was missed on that block in the back that mm -hmm. caused it. And the back judge needs to a bit more concentration because once he, I think, in his kick-catch interference... He didn't watch where the ball went because he'd already determined that as far as he was concerned, it was on the end of that play. Yeah. But once that's wiped off, where do we then go to? And luckily, replay could say Jack was a clear recovery of that ball and it was touched and they did get the ball. Yeah. So a good call by Doug Marone to actually um, challenge that play and just shows where replay coming to uh, good effect mm. yeah absolutely as it's, uh, it's not one that you see too often uh, another one that we've seen fairly often this season unfortunately is where the officials maybe played the, the called the play dead and blown the whistle a little bit too early and this one uh, would also had quite a lot of eyes on it the Cleveland B uh, Browns uh, the Baltimore Ravens obviously the big AFC yeah. North clash uh, Lamar Jackson uh, stretching towards the end zone to try and break the plane, as it were. The, a play that many people uh, see quarterbacks do these days. But in this case, Jackson actually didn't make the uh, the, the, the goal line. No. Uh, and, no and so a couple of things. We talked last week about forward progress. And um, obviously the question is, when do you stop forward progress? There's an extra thing comes into play when you're talking about the goal line. 
a ball becomes dead once it has breached that goal line. Yeah. And you'll sometimes see the, a quarterback or somebody reaching for the goal line and then losing the ball. It doesn't matter that they've lost the ball once that goal has been breached. If they're a runner, mm-hmm. different if they're a receiver, but they're just assuming they're a runner. If they've breached the goal line, the ball is dead at that point. The short wings, the the field, are they the sorry, the headline or down judge as they're now called, and the line judge are watching down the line of scrimmage at the goal line, and their job is to try and see if the line has been penetrated and at point signal a touchdown. Yeah or if, uh, in this case, it didn't quite get there. Now, to be fair to the guys on the wings, uh, this was one when you slowed it down, much slow in instant replay, you can see that the forward progress point of the ball never got to the goal line. What happened next was the ball became loose, then the other team covered. Now, so this thing, we go back to what happens in we have an inadvertent whistle, which is what, in, in effect, this became, because it wasn't a touch. And the whistle blew, that ends the play. Yeah. And there are certain circumstances in the immediate action that follows an inadvertent whistle. If another team recovers the ball, they can keep it. Didn't used to be that. It used to actually go back to the previous down being replayed. Um, but now we have the immediate new in action. If there is a clear recovery, then that can be over to the team that recovered. But they cannot advance it. Now, the reason for that is that, obviously, if somebody has blown the whistle blood dead, the team can quite rightly stop playing. Although they might return it for a touchdown, if the other team had carried on playing, they may not have done. Yeah. It's a bit unfair to say, let it go. However, talking of letting it go, obviously, this is a one it's not quite there. Because they have replay, he could have just leave, leave the call just a little if he wasn't sure, let it play out. And if it had then been challenged um, by the team that thought they'd scored and breached the goal line, who had lost the ball, or in this case, because it was actually recovered by the opposition, all um, change of possessions are actually reviewed anyway. Yeah. And they could have determined that the ball had, in fact, breached the goal line at touchdown. Therefore, the recovery didn't matter because it was dead at that point. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, with the goal line, obviously, it's a bit different. If it's on the like the 50-yard line and he's trying to reach over and do that, it's, it's kind of a bit different because you're going to let them uh, let them play a bit longer because essentially you, yes. you could still make a bit of, a, a bit of yardage but if you, you like. You still have potentially forward progress yeah. um, spots in because drive forward and reach the ball out to try and get a first down and then be driven backwards and it can be determined that he had reached his forward progress point and was driven back at that point is over so quite rightly ruled dead but again it's a judgment as we talked about last week as to how quick you actually stop the play from a safety point of view let it out and somebody might get away from the tackler etc yeah, I mean, I, I think we can let the referees off a little bit because it was very close and say it's only when you narrow it down yeah. and zoom it in yeah. that it's that close. And we're talking millimetres, aren't we? Yeah, it was. And slowed down in high definition. Yeah. It was clear to see that it just failed to get there. Mm. But, yeah. you know, yeah. that's assuming you're looking directly down the line, you know. And Absolutely. was the camera directly down the line? Yeah. I'm not sure. They try to, but don't necessarily always get there. No, and uh, Tony Romo and Jim Nance obviously had a bit of fun uh, with their, all their noises that they made in the commentary box there. So, yeah, it was a close one. So, uh, hopefully, uh, yeah, and again, that, that's a pivotal point in the game because uh, Cleveland could have uh, come back into the game and made it a bit more of a, a close thing for, for Baltimore and uh, made, yeah. it, made it a bit, yeah. more, a bit more tense. 
but there we have it. It's all done. Yeah, it's all in the books. Because you're only human. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. But uh, yeah, it's good to get your thoughts on, on those three there. Three different kind of areas of, of officiating, if you like, and uh, very well broken down there. Uh, by yourself so um, yeah if there's anything else in the playoffs we'll uh, gladly have you back on to to break those those down as well so um, I I suppose it's time to to put your knowledge to the test are you you ready for the quiz? No they ever will be Uh, I've got uh, high expectations for you, obviously, yeah, more than more than involved. You know what they say about expectations. <laughs> absolutely, yes, absolutely. Um, but yeah, the top score so far is eight. Uh, it's ten questions all in all, uh, and we'll cover a various range of uh, NFL trivia, if you like, everything from team stadiums to player numbers and everything included. So okay. yeah, they're only easy if you know the answer. So we, we should yeah, see. Yeah, absolutely. We should Do see they take account of old people in there. <laughs> Um, let me see. I've, I've got uh, well, I've got I've got a Brett Favre question in there for you. So <laughs> that was meaning the memory. All <laughs> oh, right. <laughs> we shall we shall see we shall see how good you can uh, recall some some of these answers. So ten questions. Um, no, there's no time time limit on them. But uh, say if you're struggling or you're taking a bit too long, uh, we don't. Obviously, we've had uh, we've had a contestant in the past. Shall we say maybe tapping away at his keyboard? Not that I'd accuse you of that, Roger. <laughs> but um, we need to be fair to everyone. Obviously, that comes on. But I wish you all the best, Roger. And uh, we shall start with question number one. Which team plays at New Era Field, which was formerly known as Ralph Wilson Stadium? Uh, <laughs> you said the easy ones to begin with, didn't you? <laughs> um, I don't know. I would hazard a guess. Um, Buffalo Bills. Okay. What number does Derek Carr wear? Uh, be a low one. <laughs> <laughs> um, or oh, um, eleven. Who did the Baltimore Ravens defeat in their most recent Super Bowl win? Uh, Ravens defeated San Francisco, and I was there at the stadium. Oh, very there. How about that for? I get a bonus point for that. <laughs> I need it. <laughs> uh, including question number four, including the end zones. How many yards in length is an NFL pitch? One hundred and twenty. Who's the current head coach of the Oakland Raiders? Uh, Mr. Gruden. Uh, which player was taken by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers first overall in the 2015 draft? I guess it would be Winston, but he is one. Which team in the AFC South is represented with a horseshoe as its logo? Uh, Colts. Uh, in the app, if you want the full. That's fine. Uh, how many yards does an unnecessary roughness penalty incur? 15. You should that's you should be eating <laughs> yeah. that one up. Um, okay, two to go. Uh, question nine: Which two teams contested the first international series game in London? New York Giants and who did they beat in the rainy day? Um, I guess Miami. Okay, Giants well, went on to win the Super Bowl that year, though. Bonus point if you want it. <laughs> what about the bonus points? Um, okay, and finally, last one. How many career passing yards did Brett Favre have and you have a, uh, within 3,000 to get to? 22,250. Okay. Oh, didn't do too bad there at all. Uh, you managed to get, you managed to, to, to pull some there from the depths of the memory. <laughs> Um, oh. It was the Buffalo Bills. They do indeed play at Ralph Wilson Stadium, oh, uh, which is now New Era Fields. Uh, unfortunately, Derek Carr wears number four. 
Uh, Baltimore Ravens did obviously beat the San Francisco 49ers, which you witnessed. Uh, 120 yards is an NFL The lights pitch. went out in that one. They did. Mercedes-Benz, that was quite a while as well, wasn't it? Is that an hour or so? It was quite a while, yeah. Yeah, so... Yeah. I was there. There were some Ravens fans I was supporting San Francisco on that day. That uh, so yeah, <laughs> they were very. Well, happy. Was, um, I'm, I'm planning to go to New Orleans next year. What? Um, how was that? Was that? Were you there for long? Um, or was it just no? I I stayed about thirty minutes drive outside New Orleans because the prices of the yeah. hotels drop dramatically the further away you get, and been skin flint. Um, so I. Flew in the day before, stayed, went, drove to the hotel, stayed there overnight, got breakfast, and then drove into town, arranged some parking fairly near. Mm. It was, it was a good event, definitely mm. a good event. Mm. Minus the, minus the blackout. Minus oh, blackout <laughs> made it interesting too. I mean, you know, you know, I've seen Kaepernick at his peak. You know, yeah, yeah, they were playing <laughs> funny. They were playing well before the uh, blackout, weren't they? They were, yeah, they were playing yeah. well. And, and you could say that it swung it, and, you know, who got back into it better, and it's yeah. always difficult to know what's going to happen after a blackout. Mm. Wasn't that was also known as the Harbour Bowl, wasn't it? Yes, yeah, I forgot about that bit, but yes. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. I, I'll, I'll get a bonus point for that. <laughs> uh, where were we uh, yeah end zones uh, link from NFL pitches of course 120 you got 100 uh, plus your 10 for the end zones John Gruden is of course the uh, yeah for the foreseeable future the Oakland Raiders coach which is a, <laughs> yeah, yeah. maybe a good or a bad thing depending on which way you yeah, want to that one <laughs> yeah. not if you're a Raiders fan I don't think no anyway. absolutely not no. Uh, James Winston was indeed the first overall pick in the 2015 okay. draft that's well well plucked out there Indianapolis Colts of course is the horseshoe logo in there in the AFC South uh, I'd have, have strung you around the neck if you'd have got this one wrong 15 yards is of course an unnecessary roughness penalty and you managed to pluck out Miami as well they did in fact uh, play the New York Giants in the first international series game and Brett Favre I've got here 71,838 yards miles out then so yeah maybe not the uh, quite the three but uh, Roger pleased to announce you have uh, joined everyone else at the top of the leaderboard there with eight so, so everybody's on the top of the leaderboard oh that's good <laughs> no I think you join you join Adam uh, Stevie and uh, and Richard as well so a couple, a couple of guys on the top there but uh, yeah very very good effort for for someone who managed to pluck out a couple of answers they did well thanks okay uh, Roger we'll, we'll no doubt chat to you in the following weeks uh, the come the end of the playoffs but really appreciate you coming on and uh, yeah, putting your no knowledge to the test awesome. Good, solid off effort there from Roger, both on breaking down the refereeing calls from Week 17, but also on the quiz there with an eight. So, Lee, it's time, time, time of the truth now. It's uh, me versus you. Who, who? Do you want to go first? Uh, yeah. yeah, why not? Okay, let me just uh, get your questions up. So, yeah, the loser of this quiz will do a forfeit. Uh, we have a, we'll, we'll have a wheel. We'll put a wheel up, and essentially, we're just going get, to get hit over the head by a couple of different objects. And we'll, what we'll do is we'll record those and post them on our, our social media. Okay, Lee. So it's time for your ten. You know, the, you know the uh, the format by now. Ten questions, uh, no time limit. But if you're taking too long, we shall move on. Um, yeah. Similar theme to all the other questions we have. I haven't made them any particularly any any more difficult than the others, so we should see, see how we get on. Okay, question one: Which team yeah. plays at Bank of America Stadium? Uh, uh, that is the Jags. Which team were this year's Hard Knocks team? Oh, the Browns. What number does Russell Wilson play in? Number three. Name any team that Michael Vick has ever played for. The Falcons. Who coaches the Buffalo Bills? Uh, Sean McDermott. Yep. How many yards does a defensive encroachment in pe- penalty incur? 
Five. Who scored the most touchdowns for the Pittsburgh Steelers last season? So that's 2017, not this year. Um, Antonio Brown. Which was the first international series game this year in London? This year it was... Oh, was it? It was the Raiders game, but who did they play? Uh, oh, God. Seahawks. Raiders Seahawks, right? Which team? Did, I've got a blank. <laughs> which team did Aaron Rodgers Packers beat to win his only Super Bowl? Oh God! Um, Steelers. And finally, within twenty, including all games in an NFL season, including preseason, Hall of Fame, postseason, and Pro Bowl, how many games are there in a total NFL season? So, so including including everything preseason. Pro Bowl, one, so just in total for everyone. So absolutely everything. So pre-season, the Hall of Fame game, the post-season and the Pro Bowl. How many total games are there in an NFL season? Um, you have within 20. Within 20, okay, <laughs> fine. Um, 460? Um, Two? Oh. <laughs> add, add, in, add in the two on there so if, it, if, if it's for if it's 440 you're gonna be screwing aren't you um right okay let's yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> let's let's crack on with the answers so um the team that plays at bank of america stadium is the carolina panthers yeah i thought that as soon as i said the chat <laughs> i don't think i've done very well to be honest i think i've maybe got like four or five uh, Cleveland are the hard, were the Hard Knocks team. Russell Wilson does play in number three. Michael Vick was the Falcons, the Eagles, the Jets, and the Steelers. So that was that was okay. Sean McDonough is the coach of the Buffalo Bills. He obviously didn't get fired yesterday, so that's fine. Luckily, yeah. my yeah, luckily my question stood there. Didn't get fired. No, no. Luckily, huh? luckily. Uh, five yards for defensive encroachment is correct. Uh, Lev Bell was the uh, most touchdowns for uh, Pittsburgh last year. It, to be fair, it was a fifty-fifty there, wasn't it? Yeah, 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 definitely. Uh, you managed to get Seattle versus Oakland as the first international series game. Well done on that. And Pittsburgh Steelers were the team that Aaron Rodgers beat uh, for his only Super Bowl for the Packers. And it's 333 games in a, in a whole entire uh, calendar okay. year. You have 64 preseason, 256 regular season, 11 playoffs, one Pro Bowl and one Hall of Fame game. Mm. So there you go, seven. That's where the two came from, isn't it? With the Pro Bowl and the Hall of Fame. <laughs> true, yeah, true, absolutely. Yeah, seven, not too bad. Seven, not too bad, I'll take that. Okay. I, I wish I could have that uh, Panthers question back, number one. Yeah. Uh, I thought all that as soon as I said it. Yeah. yeah. But uh, never mind. You know, never, never mind. Right, time for me to fall flat on my feet. On my face, rather. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> your feet's pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> right, are you ready? Yeah, go. Okay, number one. Uh, who plays at the first energy stadium? Oh, uh, Houston. Okay. Um, who's the oldest player in the NFL? Who's the oldest player? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I'm going to say Adam Vinatieri. Okay. Uh, which number does Aaron Jones of the Green Bay Packers wear? Oh, I hate you. Uh, Aaron Jones. Yeah... 
22. I think that's wrong. And who was the head coach of the New England Patriots before Bill Belichick? Oh, I have no idea. Um, before Bill Belichick? No, I don't know that one. Okay. Got a clue? It's pretty a hard question, actually. Is that is that the clue? <laughs> Do you want a clue? Uh, no, no. <laughs> no, no. So the clue is that it's a current NFL head coach. Uh, current NFL head coach. Didn't get fired on Monday either. Uh, I don't know. I'm going to go Andy Reid. Okay. Um, which state is Arrowhead Stadium? Which state? Yeah. Uh, I'm hoping it's just Kansas or Kansas City. Okay. Is that your answer? Yeah, yeah that's my answer, yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> okay. Um, who was the rush leader in the 2017 season? Who was the rush leader? Is that is the rush leader, Lee? Who's the sack leader? Oh, sack leader. Um, Jesus. Who was the sack leader? Uh, Aaron Donald. Not too sure. I don't think it was him. But... Okay. Uh, where is the scouting combine held? Uh, ooh. Uh, Indianapolis. Okay. Um, name either of the teams that played in Super Bowl One. Uh, Green Bay. Okay. Um, who had the most scrimmage yards, all-purpose scrimmage yards in NFL last season, in 2017? All-purpose scrimmage yards. Oh, jeez. Um, Cream Hunt was the rushing leader, but they, he, he won by a couple of yards, didn't he? Uh, I will go... Uh, it's Lev Bell or Todd Gurley. I'll go with... Lev Bell. Okay. And final question. So within five, how many career sacks does Aaron Donald have? Jesus. Uh, okay, so good. Within how many five? Five, yeah. Uh, I'm gonna go. Let's see. He's been around what? Eight years, ten. I'll go seventy-five. Okay. I think that's quite okay. low, actually. But anyway, never mind. That was awful. <laughs> Yeah, I'm sorry, my, my question seemed harder than yours. <laughs> <laughs> right, go on then. T- t- tell, tell me how, many, how, how poorly I did. Okay, so the first energy stadium is the Cleveland Browns. Yeah, no, I yeah. think you're thinking of NRG Stadium, yeah, yeah, which yeah. is the Texans. Yeah. Um, oldest player is Mertieri, so you got one. Uh, Aaron Jones wears 33, ah, that's 22. Yeah. Um, head coach of the Patriots before Bill Belichick with Pete Carroll. Oh, yeah, of course it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the state that Arrowhead Stadium is actually Missouri. Yeah, okay. Which is a bit of a weird question because Kansas City is just over the border. It's yeah. kind of weird. Um, the sack last year was Chandler Jones. Oh, uh, yeah, okay. Um, Luke's Hall Stadium in Indianapolis was the scouting combine, uh, so you got that. Um, Green Bay is one of the two teams that was in Super Bowl One. They played the, this, uh, the Kansas City Chiefs. And you, so you went 50-50, didn't you, for Lev and Todd Gurley for a scrimmage jazz, and it was actually Todd Gurley. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, uh, almost with that one. And yeah, they went one and two as well, so you were really close. And, and Aaron Donald has 59 and a half sacks for his uh, career. What did I say, 75? So yeah, yeah you are a bit high, so how many is that? So 
one. Not many. <laughs> yeah, just three, unfortunately. But I think my questions are actually pretty hard. So sorry. You, 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 you mean absolute meanie. I might have thrown you another a bit there. Sorry about that. No, that's all right. No, that's all right. Well, I wasn't. I wasn't far off a couple of them. So yeah, there we go. Yeah, yeah. You were. You were fifty. Fifty on a couple. Yeah. Okay. Cool. So that's uh, that's the embarrassment to end the <laughs> to end the season. So let's uh, let's finish it off then. So let's have a look uh, look ahead to the weekend and the and the playoffs in general. I, I suppose um, quite a lot of games uh, that I'm actually looking forward to, which is, should be the way uh, going into the playoffs. But I think there are a couple, a couple of games last season. I think the Tennessee one uh, when they beat uh, the Chiefs. Obviously, there's a couple of games last season weren't that that weren't that enticing. But all these ones, Lee, should be should be crackers. Yeah, yeah, definitely looking forward to this. Um, yeah, quite a few close ones to start us off in the wildcard weekend and then obviously got some good teams waiting in the wings for whoever manages to get through. So yeah, yeah, it's looking good. And obviously starting off with the divisional game, which we talked about a minute ago with the Colts and Texans. Yeah, I mean, yeah, so obviously the four games. So Indianapolis and Houston is the 9.35 game on Saturday. Seattle-Dallas is the late night, Saturday, uh, 1.15 a.m. in the morning on Sunday. Baltimore uh, charges... Uh, is 6.05 on the Sunday and then of course you have the Philadelphia Eagles and the Chicago Bears rounding us off uh, about half nine on Sunday but yeah mm-hmm. I mean, for, for me for me in this one Indianapolis and Houston um, it's all it's all about kind of again the divisional rivals so they kind of know each other quite well but um, on both sides of the ball on the Indianapolis side it, it's going to be a game where Andrew Luck is, is, is going to be on his shoulders again isn't it they're going to have to pass because uh, the Houston rush defence is number three uh, overall JJ Watt second in sacks uh, as well, so that offensive line that's done really well for Indianapolis for the season is going to have to have another good game uh, here. Jondre Hopkins, second in receiving yards for the season, is, is kind of be the the main funnel point there for for Houston as it has been uh, for the last couple of seasons uh, over there in Houston. Um, but Deshaun Watson now probably look, looks really healthy. Actually, played quite a lot of the game there uh, on Sunday, just gone. But Darius Leonard uh, was the the tackle leader. Uh, in terms of regular season there with 163 he was miles ahead of uh, Blake Martinez there in second so should be a good game this one uh, I don't really know who I fancy to come out on top to be honest I- I'd probably take Houston at home yeah I'd take Houston at home I think when we we talk about the betting lines later on this week I think it'll probably be yeah less three or less uh, favour for the Texans I think there's a cigarette between these two hmm. um, as we said uh, earlier on they've sort of tied the series one all both games are settled by three points so I can't see the Bucky's straying too far away from that to be honest with you um, like you said I think it's going to come down to X factor isn't it it's Andrew Locke on their outside then you've got Sean Watson and Hopkins and the rush defence I think you've got a little bit more in tank the Texans I think it'll be kept close um, see, good to see if Hopkins can extend his uh, amazing streak of having no drops in the season regular yeah. season he had 115 catches and zero drops which is just fantastic isn't it yeah really yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I just don't see that kind of star power on the defense just yet. Mm. So, uh, yeah, I'd think the Texans sneak through, I think. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I'd say three of these four games as well, the, the bet in the spread line, they're all within three points. So, um, yeah, Houston, two-point favourites. Dallas, a one-and-a-half-point favourites. Baltimore, two-and-a-half. And Chicago, uh, minus six as well uh, at this point. But, yeah, let's move on to Seattle at Dallas. This game's all going gonna, it's to it's come down to the rush games, isn't it? You know, Seattle, number one rushing team, 160 yards per game uh, on the ground. Both defences are, are equipped to stop the run as well. Dallas, 10th uh, in, in rushing total rush yards per game. But Zeke, of course, the... Uh, 
rush leader with a 1,434, and that's only playing 15 games as well. So um, I think this one's going to come down to who's going to be able to stop the run uh, more effectively, uh, and then maybe the quarterbacks might have to come into it a little bit as well, maybe some scrambling. Um, yeah, so, yeah, really really looking forward to this one. Shame it's the Saturday night game, so I'm going to have to stay up and, and watch this one. But, yeah, going to be going to be an absolute cracker. You said you hit the nail on the head. I think it's going to be one in the trenches and one with the rushing games because that's what these two guys want to do. Um, and then they want to defend. And both defenses have been really good recently, uh, especially the Cowboys from seven. So yeah, it's going to be it's going to be sort of that old school game, isn't it? If you're one of these people, a little bit like myself, I guess, who doesn't want to see 54 versus 51 on the scoreline, and you want to see some physical football, uh, I think this is going to be the one for us. And um, I think it's going to come down to that power again. And in the playoffs, Russell Wilson's, I think he's going to have a little bit more of an edge over Dak in that. I think he's going to come alive in the big moments, and I think he's more likely. I think he's more player most likely to come up with something big when it matters at these two teams. Mm. Um, so I'd favour the Seahawks very, very slightly. Mm. Yeah, it's, 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 it's going to be a close game. I think, I think whoever establishes a lead, um, the first team to score will probably win the game. I know that's quite unusual to, to say because, you know, since you've scored, you give the ball back to the other team. But yeah, I, I think whoever gets out, if it's, if a touchdown is the first score, whoever scores the first touchdown is going to win this one because I, I think they're just going to have enough. They're going to cancel each other out a little bit. There's going to be not a lot of ter- not not a lot in terms of plays, uh, and you know that that clock's going to keep on churning, isn't it? So yeah, I, I think uh, whoever scores first touchdown in this one will probably win the game. Mm. Moving on to Sunday games, then uh, Los Angeles Chargers travel to MT uh, MT and T Bank Stadium. Um, to face the Ravens, who they played a couple of weeks ago, uh, obviously twenty-two to ten, when Baltimore suffocated the Chargers there in LA. Um, but yeah, this Baltimore defense, uh, total what, number one in total defense, number five against the pass, four against the run. But I actually fancy the Chargers in this one to to kind of make amends for a couple of weeks ago. I, d- I think they'll elevate their game, uh, and let's, let's face it, they, they don't have a home field advantage anyway, so they might as well play away. Yeah, uh, I think outside of LA, we're unbeaten this year. Um, obviously lost on the road to the Rams. So, yeah, there's kind of that, that sort of narrative that's going around. I think it probably has some legs as well. Um, this team's faced on the road, you know, winning in Hindfield, winning in Arrowhead, winning at Century League. They've gone and done it and they've got they've got, to go to, they've got to do it again. Uh, I think it's an advantage that we played two weeks ago. Uh, I don't think there's that much that the Ravens can do that diff- much differently. Um, they're going to ball, and they're going to try and get ahead early, and they're going to try and bleed the clock. And the Chargers have to stop them from running and play better on offense than they did a couple of weeks ago. Um, one big boost is Hunter Henry. He's going to play. Um, as it's always been the final feature we have allowed, he was going to return for the playoffs. So he'll give Philip Rivers a strong and safe pair of hands when he needs them. So yeah, I'd, uh, just about playing the Chargers, I think. I don't think we'll play as badly as we did. And uh, yeah, it's up to the Ravens if, if, we, if we do get ahead early to then yeah, come back. Do, whereas we can do it both ways a little bit. Yeah, yeah, and then rounding off, then Sunday night at nine forty is the kickoff time. There, Philadelphia Eagles travel to Soldier Field to face the Chicago Bears. Six point underdogs are the Philadelphia Eagles. It's the underdog story again, isn't it? It's Nick Foles uh, should be okay to play in this game, like I said at the top of the show. But just to be interesting to see how what how how Chicago Bears defense uh, matches up here. Yeah, I think this is going to be pretty close. Um, obviously, the Eagles have been there and done it. I'm not sure. That- they can say they're as much of an underdog as last year as the Super Bowl champs, but uh, they are obviously an experienced team. The Bears are pretty new to this one as a, as a unit, I would say. You know, head coach, a lot of their players have never been to the playoffs. Um, but I think the Bears will win this at home. But I do think it will be really, really close. Um, I think they'll win because I think they're the better team. 
But Doug Pedersen has always got a few tricks up his sleeve, hasn't he? So I think if he's going to be super close, I think he's going to pull out, you know, maybe a trick play here or there, maybe a, uh, yeah, a funny play, and uh, maybe get the get the Eagles on the board in some way, just manufacture something. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see the, the Philadelphia pass rush over the last couple of weeks has been awesome as well. So it'd be interesting to see how the offensive line and Mitch Trubisky do with a bit of pressure there. I think that's kind of the key to game in that one. But Friday, uh, we'll break down the games in a bit more detail and uh, give you all the latest ahead of the games. Don't forget to put in your playoff predictors. Um, you know, head over to full10yards.com forward slash competitions. Download the form that uh, you know, I, I love a bit of Excel, so I've put together a little form there. You just put the put your teams in the win there, in the win column there and the tiebreaker, the total amount of points for the playoffs send that over to 14 yards uh, at gmail.com and then you say you'll be in and with a chance to win an NFL jersey Amari Cooper jersey um, but if you are offended by that much by Dallas and Amari Cooper we can provide uh, an alternative so we, like I say we'll, we'll, I'll, Lee gave me his so we'll stick them up as well once this uh, podcast has gone up just to show you what we're thinking uh, I've had re- received a number of number of entries already but I'd appreciate any retweets or any shares for that as well try and get as many people in as possible just before we go, Lee, we'll just look at the betting for the uh, Super Bowl outright. Maybe just get an inkling into who we think will win it. Maybe who be one and done. Who's the outsiders and uh, you know, who are the favourites in your opinion? Um, so yeah, New Orleans, no doubt uh, favourites there. Home home field advantage, number one seeds. Um, probably a really good uh, re- defense has, has improved as the season has gone on. Thirteen to five favourites, just 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 over two to one. Uh, Worthy favourites? Yeah, I would say so. Um, the experience of quarterback obviously the guy's been there and done it been around on the block a few times like you said the defence has heated up um, a little bit throughout the season and then the home field advantage uh, which is an advantage for them um, yeah gives them the X factor I think and yeah worthy favourites in my opinion yeah in the AFC obviously the number one seed there Kansas City Chiefs they're next in about 4-1 to 9-2 uh, are they worthy AFC favourites? yeah I would say so I think it's a bit more of a muchness in the AFC like we were saying on I'll have a podcast. I think I, I think I would say that all, every team's flawed in some respect or another, including the Chiefs as well, who you know got the defense that might let them down at some point. Hmm. Um, but yeah, I think I would think the way they played, I think they are the favourites to be honest with you, especially like you say with the home field advantage again all the way through. Yeah, and it's a it's no surprise that the, the the number one and number two seeds for each side are first four in the betting purely because they only have one they have one less game to play. Uh, the Los Angeles Rams and the Patriots are the next tier, if you like. Uh, Los Angeles Rams five to one, uh, five to one, eleven to two, and the Patriots generally about a six to one, uh, which I think is fair. Obviously, they, they game less to play, and they're, they're the second best teams. Well, not, maybe not the Patriots. Uh, that's up for debate. But um, again, because they've got one one game less to play, they're they're worthy top four. Yeah, due to the fact that they've got one less game, I don't think the Patriots are the second best team in the AFC. Oh, no. Um, no. But yeah, I would say, other than that, the fact that they have one less hurdle to clear, then yeah, I would say it's pretty fair. Yeah. Okay, let's go down the rest of the board. Chicago Bears coming in around about ten to one. Uh, Baltimore Ravens fourteens. Los Angeles Chargers sixteens, eighteen to one. Uh, Indianapolis twenty fives or thirties. Houston thirty uh, threes. You can get in one place, but they're generally twenty twos, twenty fives. And then rounding us off in the NFC, Dallas twenty fives and twenty eights. Uh, Seattle twenty eights as well. Uh, but you can get forties in some places. And Philadelphia Eagles, Lee, can I interest you in thirty three or forty five to one? Uh, no. I don't think so. <laughs> I think um, the NFC is a bit more top-heavy. Uh, I think the you can't really look past the three for me, the Saints, the Rams and the Bears. I think it, the, the representative from that conference is going to come from one of those three. Yeah. Okay, so would you say Philadelphia most likely to go one and done? 
Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Um, yeah. What about the AFC side? Any any particular team? Indianapolis, maybe? Yeah. I, I think both games are going to be really close. You know, both yeah. games go either way. Mm. Um, yeah, to stick the neck on the line, obviously I can't go against Chargers, so I have to go for the Colts. But, uh, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if all the other three games, to be fair, could go either way. Mm. They're going to be really close. Okay, so apart from the Chargers, who, who, who do you fancy uh, in, uh, those prices each way? Uh, do you know what? The Seahawks, I think they're a gritty team. They've got the defense, they've got the rushing game, they've got the quarterback who's been there a couple of times. Um, you know, they could go back and do it again, which would be a massive surprise. But uh, yeah, the long shot, I'd, I'd go for them. Yeah, I mean, regardless of what happens in this postseason, I think judging by perceptions going into the season, Pete Carroll and, and Sean Hyman need a lot of credit for what they've done. Uh, a lot of these, a lot of people out there didn't think that they'd do anything at all, let alone uh, qualify for the playoffs. So to be with a with a, a live shout, I mean, let's be honest, they can go into Dallas and, and, and beat Dallas uh, quite easily uh, on their on their day. Uh, and I think that you know, I know they struggled against the Rams in both of their games, but they gave them a good game, uh, and they'd give the Saints a good game as well. They can they can shut down they can shut down anyone, despite the Legion of Boom not being there anymore. So, yeah, not a bad shout. You can get forty to one there, uh, and I know we'll have Adam as well later on in the week to, to run the ball over the games uh, for the weekend. So, watch your keep your eyes peeled for that. So, I don't think there's really anything else left to say, Lee. Yeah, another one in the bag, first one of the year, and yeah, let's uh, scout. Yeah, okay. So, yeah, that's going to wrap it up for the podcast. First one of the year, like Lee said, on the Full 10 Yards podcast. Thank you all so much for joining us. Don't forget to get in touch with us if you want to review your team's season. Plenty of teams out there. Just check our check our Twitter for, for the teams that are available. Don't forget to put in your playoff predictions. Uh, we'll post ours out as well very, very shortly indeed. So keep your eyes peeled for that. Appreciate you all joining us. Retweet, share the love. We'd love to have a lot more listeners on. And we'll be back with you a bit later on in the week. But until then, it's goodbye from Lee. Yeah, goodbye, everyone. Uh, Happy New Year. Hope you're looking forward to the playoffs. Hope it sort of expectations, and we'll see you on Friday. And it's goodbye from me. Happy New Year to all the listeners out there. We'll speak to you in a couple of days. In the great words of Kevin Cadle, it's bye-bye for now. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Full 10 Yards Podcast. Follow us on Facebook or Twitter at Full 10 Yards or email the show full10yards at gmail.com.